0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match, limited by state law.
1: Welcome into the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Pray, Eric Sculpel on the show as always, and we're also going to bring in a third person to the show. That is Greg Biggins, the national recruiting analyst for Twenty Four Seven Sports. Good friend of ours, Greg. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, how you doing?
2: I'm doing just fine. <laughs> I'm good, man. It's good to be with you guys.
1: So we're, we're on this, on this week, uh, the, the talk Oregon football recruiting, but before we dive into just Oregon specifically, the month of June feels like it's going to be wild for all of college football with the dead period being lifted after, I don't know what'll be 15 months or so. Just what are the, are the things you're expecting to happen from just a national landscape? Is there going to be like a huge rush of commits, a bunch of new offers, you know, guys cutting things down? Like what, what are you expecting June to be like
2: yeah you know that's that's a great question i i honestly it, it's only been a year, but it like it I feel like it feels like it's been forever since we've actually had kids able to take official unofficial trips um, you know coaches able to work out kids on campus, so <clears throat> all that's going to be going on um, you know I could see you know, a, a rush of commitments, obviously, you're going to have kids going on campuses for the first time. And, and you can, so you'll have a, a great chance to maybe have some kids just go somewhere, fall in love with the campus and the place and, and just want to end it. Um, and then I also, like you mentioned, I could see a lot of new offers going out once schools were able to work out some kids and, and do some of these satellite camps. For those who don't remember what those were, I know out in Southern California, there's going to be a bunch of them. Uh, where someone will host a camp like a Sacramento state and there'll be like eight colleges there. And so even though it's technically the Sac state camp, you could see, you know, I'm just throwing out schools. You could see, you know, Oregon, UCLA, Oregon state, Fresno state all at that camp. So I could definitely see a lot of new offers. Um, You know, obviously I think we'll see a handful of commitments and then maybe like you said, guys will, will, after taking some trips, um, you know, maybe they'll just want to, um narrow the list down but still wait until the fall you know i think a lot of kids will take unofficial trips in june and then maybe still do their officials in the fall that's what i've been told by by some guys they kind of still want to see that game atmosphere so right. it's like you said, man it's going to be wild it's going to be fun i'm I'm looking forward to it for sure
1: do, do you think we could put too much stock into what happens in june whether it be guys going on visits and being blown away and oh that organ you know organ leads for this guy now or maybe schools go and watch this guy for the first time in June and think, wow, this guy's legit. We have to offer, we have to take his commitment. now." Can we put, Is there a case where we, we put too much focus on what happens into June?
2: Um. Yeah. I don't know about too much focus. I mean, you, you gotta, you know, remember obviously a lot, a lot of these schools, they already know about these kids, right? They've already done a lot of a pretty thorough evaluation. I think same thing for the kid. I think they've already done the, the zoom calls and, you know, found out last year that a lot of those guys doing the Zoom calls and the virtual tours kind of felt comfortable uh, already to make a decision without ever stepping foot on campus. So uh, I'm not sure if I'm, I'm answering the question correctly. I don't think – I think June is going to still be very impactful um, just because I think there's no substitute for actually getting a kid on campus and having them kind of get, you know, that, that wow factor. You know, just speaking specifically about Oregon, you know, no one does a better job of really wowing a kid on campus than Oregon, especially, you know, just even an unofficial trip. So, you know, I think for Oregon, you know, getting kids on campus will be huge. And I think you will see a lot of guys who visit all of a sudden Oregon will elevate up their list.
0: Are you, are you bracing Greg from like a personal level? I know you've been in this industry for, you tell me how many decades, I know it's more than a couple. Um, are you bracing for this to be maybe the busiest month like that you've had period like or, or is that or is suggesting something like that overstating it or I mean I, I just think from an outsider's perspective a little bit here like 15 months without really any of these recruiting rules being in place and like basically very very limited contact and contacting very different like are you anticipating this could just be a complete wild wild west month or or is it more likely that it ends up being kind of a little bit maybe more mundane than people are building it up to be? Um, I would say
2: probably in the middle, you know, I don't think it's going to be the, the wildest. I, I, I know, I know recruiting is definitely fast forwarded to where, you know, everything starts earlier now. So, you know, that, that June and July period is now kind of taken over for what used to be, you know, it used to be like November, December were the wildest months. And now we have the early signing period. So I think there is a, a rush to get things done earlier. So I do think June is going to be crazy. We've already talked about trips, talked about camps, talked about unofficial visits. So there's going to be a ton going on, but uh, I don't I don't think it's going to be like just you know overwhelming. We're like, gosh, every day you're seeing something new happening. You're seeing a new top ten player. You know, maybe make to choice. I, I still think there's going to be it's still going to be kind of a, a filling out process. I, I don't see a you know a bunch of guys maybe rushing to all of a sudden commit now. Right, Um, So I think it's going to be active, but I I don't, I think it's going to be measured if that makes sense. It
0: does. Yeah. I I, I just think that there's a perspective. This is just going to be an absolutely crazy, crazy month. And not that I think it's going to be like slow by any means. I just wondered if your perspective was like mine where it's like, eh, maybe there's going to be a lot that takes place, but also not the craziest, craziest month of the history of recruiting, like some people yeah, like no, it, I don't it, think it'll be
2: yeah, I don't think it'll be the wildest thing we've ever seen. But I mean, I hope so, though, right? It makes it fun for me, yeah. it, <laughs> you know, it makes it fun for you guys. Probably just you're covering it, and it's always it's better to to be covering something where there's a lot going on from a regional, national stage, than just kind of like oh, ho hum. There's no trips, nothing's going on right now. So yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to it for sure.
1: Recently in Nashville at the Elite Eleven, um, Oregon four-star commit Tanner Bailey participated. Uh, your thoughts on what you saw you know, from Bailey and just kind of how he performed.
2: Yeah. You know, he, he was solid. You know, he's not a guy that's going to wow you in that kind of workout. He's not a, you know, not a Ty Thompson with, with the six, three, six, four frame with the gigantic arm. And that's just going to be ripping the ball or you're going to be sitting back on, Oh my gosh, did you see that throw, you know, Tanner's, you know, a hair under six feet. And, you know, he's, he's one of those guys. I think I've used the term a lot. I think he's just, he's a gamer. He's one of those guys that with the pads on, you know, he's going to make plays for you. You know, he doesn't have overwhelming arm strength. He doesn't have – he's not going to wow you with his size. He's not, a you know, an elite athlete. You know, he, one of those guys, again, like he's just not uh, – in that setting, you're not going to sit back and, and just be blown away. But he's just uh, – he one of those, I think he's one of those guys who just – he does everything well. You know, he's very proficient, very accurate. Um, you know, throws the ball on time, uh, delivers it well, repeatable release, looks – comfortable throwing, throwing on the run. He's a good athlete that day. I didn't find out till later, but I guess he kind of tweaked his groin a little bit when, when he was running his 40. So, um, I think, you know, that probably hindered him a little bit from throwing, obviously, if you, if you, you know, you're struggling to plant, which if you have a sore groin, it definitely causes you to have some discomfort while you're dropping and planting. Um, you know, I think we found out, found that out a little bit later on. So, um, you know, like I guess overall, I, I still like him. I think he's a really solid prospect. I think he's, you know, like I said, man, he's, with the pads on, man, he's a winner. So I, I still think he's a he's a really solid prospect. And, uh, you know, like I said, he wasn't probably a top five guy for us that day, but I still think he's a quality quarterback.
1: Yeah, I am a big believer in the Elite 11. I, I think it does a very good job. But I also think, maybe, correct me if I'm wrong here, I also think it caters towards a certain QB's, you know, body type. And if, if you, if, if you're like six foot four and six foot five and have rock a rocket cannon and, and maybe you have cons- some consistency issues, but you perform well over those two or three days, it's set up in my eyes, maybe allow you to stand out more than a guy who like you just described in Tanner Bailey, where he's not physically imposing. And, and we've seen some guys come through, you know, the elite 11 that are six foot four, six foot five. And, they don't go on to college and do a, a you know a, tr- a tremendous job at that level. And that's and I, I think the Elite Eleven is the best job is the best camp out there to find quarterbacks. So I'm not trying to downplay it, but I do think it. If you are like a Bailey, where you're a six foot one guy and you're not the strongest and you rely on you know true football experience, it kind of can maybe put you at a disadvantage.
2: Yeah, I mean I, <clears throat> I think it all it's 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 um. Again, it's, it's your body of work, right? And, you right. know, just some background. I, I was a part of that student sports staff for 10 years and right. worked with the Elite 11. So, you know, it's a body of work. So it's your tape. It's your workout. It's your camp performance. And it's your intangibles. It all kind of goes into effect. And there's been, a, there's been several, you know, guys, six feet, six, one, that still were able to get invited. But, you know, obviously, it's a throwing company. Uh Oh, you five guys in a row, and everyone gets a rep. The guy that it's not—it's not who can throw it the hardest either. It's—it's you know—it's your timing, it's your accuracy. I think that's what helped. You know, Ty um, Thompson—he didn't just have a big arm; he was extremely accurate, got the ball out quick, on time. You know, hit the guys right, right in stride, repeatedly. And then you kind of look at the rest of this body work. That's what helped him. So you can have an off day. Um, throwing it. But if you do, you better have like really, really good tape and then have just intangibles just off the charts in terms of being like, you know, a winner. Um, You know, I I think they're starting to give a formula that also measures your athleticism, which I like, because I've always been a proponent of athleticism at the quarterback position. So it's, it's a little algorithm that they kind of put together. And um, so it's, it's a lot of different little pieces. So, I think, like you said, it's not the uh, you can be a great co- college quarterback and not even make the Elite 11 or you can be a great Elite 11 quarterback and never, you know, piss a drop in college. So, yeah, you'll, you'll see both
0: sides. Sticking with quarterbacks, Greg, I kind of, I had a couple questions here just regarding kind of the current state of Oregon's quarterback room, you know, and, and you're familiar with a lot of these guys coming from the recruiting element of things. I, Matt made a p- comment a couple weeks ago on a podcast, and I think it's true and I agree with him just that the total health of Oregon's quarterback room is probably about as good as it's been in a decade or so. It's not to say that the starting quarterback is going to be better than it's been all decade, but just like the totality, the depth of it when you've got quarterbacks on the roster like Jay Butterfield, Robbie Ashford, Ty Thompson as youngsters, Anthony Brown. Are are you surprised maybe at all that we feel that way or is that kind of what the expected or was that foreseeable when they landed guys like Thompson, Butterfield and Ashford the last couple of years?
2: Um, am I surprised that they're all like doing good or are you saying, am I surprised just, that they're
0: just, all? just at the room is that, like when they landed these guys, like what was the expectation or your thought of like, Oh, Oregon's really loading up at quarterback. Or was it kind of like, this is wait and see, because I think from our perspective and it's early returns, it feels like they have three really quality young quarterbacks.
2: I mean, that's, I think that is rare only because we live in a day and age now where it's a, if I'm not starting, I'm, I'm out yeah. of here type of deal that whether that be high school or even college. So I think if you have three guys that can all play, then that is becoming, um, you know, you, you just don't see that. It, it's almost like if you're a coach, you've got to be really careful who you name as your one your two or your three, just because whoever's not named the starter, you know, they're out the door. So I think if you got a, a room that has at least three or four guys in it, you're, you're doing really, really well. I mean, you you love to have that kind of depth because quarterback is one position where you always feel like you need that. And, you know, injuries happen. Um, you know, maybe guy a guy just decides to leave early, early, early than expected. I mean, you always want to have at least three or four guys. But Yeah, it's hard to have a room that's that full and that talented.
1: Um, speaking of Oregon's quarterbacks, you know, First of all, inherited Herbert, so we really can't count him. But every guy since, whether it's Tyler Shuck, Anthony Brown, and the younger guys on the roster now, and Butterfield, Ashford, and Thompson, all of these guys are like 6'6", 6'5", 6'4". Um, Bailey is significantly shorter than the rest of the group. Um, what do you feel like has made up uh, in Bailey's game – You know translates to Oregon's offense and, and kind of what they're looking at because from a pure body type these are you know Bailey's different from from the rest of the guys that, that Cristobal has signed in his time at Oregon
2: yeah I mean if you're just comparing him to Ty that's an easy one because they're the two most you know recent guys they're right. you couldn't you they're radically different you know Bailey is you don't want to use this term I know kids hate it but he's he's kind of more of the, the game manager in the right. sense that like I said before you know he's not Gonna be a guy that's gonna just wow you with with deep ball arm strength. Um, what he what he is is you know, he's a winner. He has an extremely high football IQ, he's extremely tough. He played, you know, hurt most of the year last year. He came back uh, from an injury much earlier than expected, let his team to the state title game. Um I, I just think the guy has intangibles off the charts. And then he can definitely throw. Don't get me wrong, I'm not I'm not comparing him to Ty and kind of nowadays you, sure. you say, oh if this guy has a bigger arm, it means you're saying this guy can't throw at all. No, he still has very functional arm strength for sure. So, um, you know, I, I don't think Mario maybe set out and said, okay, I need to go find me a, a six feet quarterback this year. I, I just think they did their evaluations and they just really liked Tanner's kind of his body of work in terms of, you know, how he plays the position really good. He does, he does, like I said, he does everything well, leadership and all that. And I, I think he's a guy that's pretty easy to like.
1: Um, Transitioning away from the quarterback spot here for a second. I, I don't think Eric has a quarterback question. Um, Oregon has recruited SoCal so hard, Greg, the last few years under under Crystal Ball, um, the Cali flock hashtag, um, a lot of the other launches they've used, and, and they've hit SoCal extremely hard, and they've had huge success uh, doing it. This year, though, they only have one commit so far. And it's a San Diego kid in, in an area where they that area is very pro Oregon. Um, what's kind of your read on this? Is it just hey, it, it, it's how it's shaking out? They're still in on a lot of guys, or have they maybe you know ventured outside of SoCal, or is USC putting up the fence? Like, what's kind of your read on this right now?
2: Early still, you know, to, to really uh, have like any strong conclusions. I, I just I don't think we've seen. where you can kind of say, oh, you know, USC is, is doing a better job of, of keeping kids home. Now, I mean, I, I think they are. Right. I think the last couple of years, USC has, we, we've seen that they've kind of radically picked up their recruitment. You know, obviously you guys know Dontae Williams was huge for them and he's kind of elevated the rest of that staff. So yeah, USC is trying hard. ASU has also, you know, become a, a factor and then you're always going to have, you know, Washington able to pick and, you know, pick, a few guys, Stanford's always going to be tough. Um, you you know, UCLA got to throw them in there too, you know, they kind of recruit a different type of guy. So, you know, I, I I think end of the day, I think Oregon's still definitely going to, going to get their fair share of kids in in SoCal and and you mentioned San Diego, you know, Grayson Haltons, tremendous player. I think they lead for Jalil Tucker also from San Diego, probably Jalil Florence as well. So, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, I think it's early, um, but
0: uh, I think Oregon will still have their fair share of kids from the SoCal area. Following up on that point, Greg, you said talk about San Diego, and that is where Oregon has had a little bit more success recently. What's led to that? Because you, you mentioned this year, Halton, maybe, maybe the, the two Jaleels, we'll call them. And then the last couple cycles, also some success down there, obviously um, towards the end of that cycle. What's, what's kind of been the impetus for, for Oregon having success there? Because I think there was a time here where maybe that wasn't quite as prevalent of a, a place for them to recruit. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure. That's, again, that's a great question. I, I know, you know,
2: it is, I've been there a couple times over the last year for camps and it's very pro Oregon. You, you talk to kids and, you know, Achilles Smith is a former duck and he's really involved out there, um, right. in the running camps and quarterback events. And, and so, you know, he has no issue at all, you know, trying to, trying to push his alma mater. It's funny. you'll, you'll, it, <laughs> You'll see some some people they'll be kind of like, "Ah, oh, you know, I just want the kid to go wherever he wants and kid like, "No, like I want him to go to Oregon so like it's just a different a different deal and and they've had success, obviously, Oregon is an easy place to recruit to right now. you don't necessarily even have to have a connection you you kind of look they're they're winning games and they're um you know developing guys and getting them drafted right so because of that, they're they're gonna already be on the on the short list. And I think once you get a couple of guys to commit and they go and have success, you kind of build a little bit of a pipeline. So I think that's kind of what's going on right now.
1: It's funny you say that about Achilles, Greg, because my first thought was that would probably make the Oregon fan who has followed recruiting like early two thousands into maybe the two thousand tens so just like excited because it, the idea has always been that you, Oregon couldn't go into SoCal because all the, the, you know, the playmakers of, you know, the coaches or the seven on seven guys or the trainers, they're all like USC alums and they're all guys, like, Oh, go to USC, go to USC. And so that, that was like my first, like, I just kind of laughed because it's like that, that kind of fan that's been following recruiting for now 20 years or so. is probably like, Oh, it's happening. We finally have someone down there. <laughs> um just what are your thoughts right now on this class though as a whole at Oregon has? They're, they're first in the conference, but they're, they're trying to go for their fourth straight where they you know they, they lead the conference in, in recruiting. Uh, but the, the, at the time right now it, it is May, so there's still lots of time left, but they're outside the top 20. They're, they're 20th, 21st in the country. Just kind of your overall overarching thoughts on on this class right now that they've got currently committed.
2: Yeah, no, it's, it's, I think it's good. I think uh, every guy is, is a quality guy. You know, John Williams is, is someone who, you know, Brandon Hoffman has seen a ton and, um, obviously we like him a lot. Top two four, seven guy, you know, Grayson Halton, he goes to every single event possible. He was probably the, you know, one of the top two overall performers at the UC camp, which I think was just two weeks ago. Um, you know, really, really good player. I actually think we have him probably a little underrated. You know, he's multi-positional on the D-line, really athletic, just grown man strength, just throwing guys around. He's really quality. I, I really like the way he plays quite a bit. Um, you know, Stephon Johnson from DeSoto, Texas is, you know, an athlete. You know, there's – it's a really deep year for, for athletes. Wide receiver DBs in Texas this year. And uh, so I think Johnson may kind of get a little bit lost in in the shadows, but just talking to our Texas guys, you know, they like him a lot. So, I mean, like you said, like seven or eight guys committed so far, I don't know how many total they're going to sign, but um, you know, I think if you're looking for, always looking for, for quality over quantity, I think all those guys are all, you know, very good football players.
1: And the last question I've got for you, eric got one more, but just right now who are guys you feel like who aren't committed um, can you give us just a couple of names you feel like, or you heard from, or you get through the grapevine that Oregon's in a good spot for right now?
2: Um, yeah. I mean, I kind of, you know, I mentioned the, the San Diego kids already. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I would not be shocked if like a Jaleel Tucker is a guy who, you know, commits June, July to vice Merriweather sure. um, is a big time target for them. And I think he potentially can make an early decision um, you know, I think he wants to still take some trips. Um, gosh, I'm talking of, Off the top of my head. I'm just trying to think, um,
1: I think that right there tells it like there's yeah. Oregon's I mean, kind I'm of. I'm trying to think right right Lyman. I know Oregon
2: always does a great job with Lyman.
1: Yeah.
2: And so, um, it's just, it's a down year, honestly, uh, for quality offensive Lyman out West, um, They've offered a couple guys, again, San Diego, Jackson Moy, uh, who will trip to Oregon. Um, he's got some USC ties. And then um, – I'm drawing a blank right now. There's another D-lineman um, from Oregon. Um, Andrew Sa- who I, Sa-
1: I can't pronounce his last name. He, he, it's Andrew Sa- Saviani or – no
2: it wasn't even that it was a guy i, I crystal balled to uh san diego d lyman oh san diego guy. okay i thought you were yeah
1: Oregon, Oregon prep
2: yeah no um i know you guys know man i'm not super sharp i'm not, i'm off my game today but <laughs> i've been dealing with this migraine so i'm struggling here but good. um no i mean i i think lyman is, is always going to be the key to every class so right now you know i'm i'm interested to see how they fill those D line and O line spots. And I think that'll be the decider. And so I wish I had some names just to fire off, but uh, you know, we'll, hey. end of June, we'll do this
0: again. And uh, I think there'll be a lot more, a lot more stuff to talk about. Sure. All right, Greg, this is one where I'll let you kind of reflect on guys from Oregon's 2021 recruiting class um we just watched spring practice spring game saw an open scrimmage we've kind of familiarized ourselves with i think 13 of 23 signees from oregon's 2021 recruiting class it's it's record-setting class best in school history there's 10 more guys that are going to enroll gosh in the next probably two to three weeks here to get started with uh summer workouts and, and everything you're obviously very familiar with some of those players. Are, are, are there a couple of them that you look at and think they could maybe help Oregon sooner than later and maybe who are those guys and, and just in general from that group, uh, is, there, is there a prospect maybe that you really like that? Maybe the recruiting ranking doesn't back it up in terms of, I know they're mostly four-star guys, so it's like hard to maybe yeah. pick one of those guys, but like is are there, is there a guy or two here that you think is notable that, that Oregon fans maybe haven't quite seen yet? In the 21 class you're talking? Yeah. And 21, the guys that haven't quite, there's, there's 10, 13 enrolled already and we're here for the spring. So fans have kind of seen yeah. a little bit of those guys, but maybe some guys that are, are yet to enroll that you like a little bit. But I'm not even sure who who's <laughs> enrolled already. You gotta, gotta help me out a little all right, bit. Greg, um, let me, let me read you the 10. I'll give you 10 <laughs> options here. So we got a uh, four star cornerback Avante Dickerson, four star all purpose back seven McGee, four star wide receiver, Isaiah Brevard, four star running back Byron Cardwell, four-star offensive lineman Jonah Miller, four-star linebacker Jonathan Flo, three-star, uh, I think he's going to play linebacker, so I'll say linebacker Terrell Tillman, three-star linebacker Jabril, sorry, Jabril McNeil, three-star corner Darren Barkins, and three-star outside linebacker Brandon Buckner. So those are the, those are the 10 that okay. have not enrolled yet. So good list. Um, yep.
2: uh, of that list, I mean, I like Byron Cardwell, Cardwell a lot. Um, all purpose guy running back. He's an, an every down guy, uh, kind of underrated athletically, good speed, runs extremely hard. Um, like Avante Dickerson a lot. I think he potentially could be an early impact guy. Um, a guy who I think can't make an impact or or likely won't run away, but I like his long-term upside has always been Darren Barkins. I think he's one of the fastest Mm. guys, just really skinny, but he's already put on about 10, 15 pounds since the end of the year. And I think, uh. He has a chance to be a really quality, you know, potential two-way guy. I don't think bring him in as a corner, but I think he could be a, a really good wide receiver if they wanted to ever make that move too. So uh, I think he's going to need time to then be a redshirt guy. But I think down the road, I think Barkins has a chance. So, um, but overall, I, if you're asking me, you know, who of that group, you know, I, I would say um, Cardwell, Dickerson, Um, maybe even Brevard. I think all those guys have a chance to play, you know, early that's without knowing the depth chart and how many other guys they have in front of them. But I think all those guys are talented, talented enough to play as true freshmen.
1: Greg, thank you for coming on the podcast as well. And we'll take you up on that maybe in July or, or August when things really, the dust really settles. We'd love to have you back on and talk a little bit more recruiting after the, the, the month of June, you know, goes through and we, we get the visits in and we get offers out and satellite camps done.
2: Yep. Let's do it. I'm in.
1: You've been listening to this week's Odds and Audible's podcast. Talk
2: to you later, folks.